Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willis. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Welcome back to Meredith with a Y. I am your host, Meredith Willits. And today I have the most amazing woman, Mariana Chambers, CEO and founder of Cut and Clarity. And she is an amazing woman here to tell us her story. Thank you so much for being here today. I love spending this time with you and our time we just spent last week chatting. Thank you. I had a really great time getting to know you. Your story You sent me the email and I thought it was going to go in one direction of just this woman's story coming into America from Argentina in the late eighties with her family. And right at the end of our conversation, it like literally bivouacked into what I consider a completely different story. And the reason I'm saying this is because I, I, through these conversations with all of you amazing women during this series, I'm really feeling and seeing there's people that have a story, there's people that are racist, there's people that are working through trying to get out of being racist. And then there's like this whole morphing happening where people aren't just having a story or trying to get out of it. They're creating a company. They're creating change. They're actually getting dirty and in it and walking the walk. And when you sent me your email that said, my family was turned away in stores because we didn't speak English, et cetera. And I had problems in school because I was not an English speaking person. I thought that was the story. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the beginning of the story. That's the foundation. That's the basis. I think that Privilege comes in so many forms. And when I was a kid, when I was in school and I had a classmate that spoke Spanish and perfect English, her privilege was that I was able to communicate with her and then maybe she can help me translate. And she chose to not use that privilege. She wanted to stay farthest away from the situation. But don't forget, we were really young little children. We were six years old. And so when an adult teacher tells you this is bad and this is good, you're probably going to do what she tells you is good. And so I don't blame her at all. But now fast forward many years, I see it as my privilege that I get to work in the field that I love. And so what's the best way, what's a better way to grow up with my purpose than just to give back just a little bit more than I can take from all of my communities. Yeah. And so just background or foreground, you own and founded and CEO and literally molding this company cut and clarity from the ground up. The, exactly how you're describing is using using your story, using your privilege, using your knowledge. You've been in the, the jewelry business for 15 years. Now, it was jewelry and fashion, or how did that play out? I started in product development. I spoke, I speak English, Italian, and Spanish. And when I was, I was a teacher, but in the summers, I wanted to get into the fashion world. So I interned in a company that needed 
help with their Italian manufacturing. And because I speak Italian, that was a natural position for me. And so I started in garments and ready to wear. And less than a year in my, I started getting seeking customers that were jewelry oriented. So one of my first clients was Mark Jacobs for his little knickknack shop. And I did all of those knickknacks. And that's essentially how I moved on from the garment and just to focus on jewelry and little tiny goods like that. When I see people, and I don't want to say the easy route, I don't want to say take the easy route, but you could have, you could have done a hundred different things. You could have been very traditional and been like, okay, these are the people that are going to work for me. You know, they're white. They look like me. They're Argentinian. They're, is that the right? Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay. So, but I just all of a sudden, I'm like it sounded weird all yes, of a sudden, no. but you, you not only pushed it, pushed the boundaries and were aware of it because that's the thing that I'm seeing is, and it's funny because as these podcasts come out, I'm seeing people look at me a little different in like, oh, well, wait, we can't say that around Meredith anymore Good. because now, now we know who she is yeah. a little bit more than we did maybe before. But it is easier for me to keep my mouth shut. It's easier, maybe, for you to go the traditional route and hire XYZ person to do your marketing and branding and and cutting and manufacturing. But instead, you chose maybe the more difficult route. I certainly chose a more difficult route. Listen, the easy route would be to be a traditional jewelry company. I propose the designs and then I find the cheapest outsourcing manufacturing provided that they are an ethical factory. That was my job for many years. And I'm so proud to have connected with these international manufacturing facilities that have taught me so much, both in what the world is like in my position as a woman or what is not my position as a woman, how to speak to people, treat people, learn and grow with people. And I loved every single step of the way. So the easy way would be for me to tap into one of my Chinese manufacturers and say, make this in your amazing facility for the cheapest price possible. But really what I sought was to be truly fulfilled. And I was doing that and truly happy for so many years. But when I was pregnant and I had my daughter, I really wanted to figure out what that why I I laugh, you know, because this Meredith with a why I feel the same. I feel like, what is my why? What is my purpose? And quite frankly, I've never felt more connected to my immigration journey and my upbringing than when I was pregnant, because I remember saying, this is my life at home with my Argentinian family. This is what we eat. This is how we talk. This is how we express ourselves. But then at school or outside is different. So, right. I think we kind of touched upon this code code switching. switching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's real. And so when I was pregnant, I wanted to figure out what is something that I'm going to be really proud to have my daughter see me do and creating a company that really focuses on creating community, both with our customers. We don't feature any supermodels, right? Not because we we can't afford them and choose not to, but because we really want to tell the story of these different voices, these different women. And our 
community of women that we use one girl, one woman, she lost her leg at nine by a drunk driver. She still wanted to be a model and she does it, you know, and women are starting company. They're everyday women heroes that I want my daughter to know that I think that these characteristics are the ones that you value, not because they're perfect, not because they have it all figured out, but because despite all odds, they continue to try. And with, you know, even failure as a possible (laughs) outcome, we're still going to try. And I think that trying to make a cohesive production story out of an industry that has here in New York City, an industry that has been beat to death and abandoned and used and abused because we take the best pieces of it and then we source overseas because we need that really cheap labor. It's really my focus. These are real people. They're immigrants. They have moms. They have children. You know, they have wives. Go back though and explain because I don't think anyone, you and I talked about it, but so when you... You have an idea for a piece of jewelry. And I know you do custom pieces, which is so in right now. Like everyone wants their amazing custom piece, their name, whatever. So you have explained the way you, because you, you do sustainability. You're doing, I mean, you're, you're not wasting any of it and you're recycling and you're using immigrant workers. So please shoot that down so that we can see the whole ins and outs instead of making that phone call to China. What are you doing different? Right. So what we do instead of proposing an entire collection and telling the customer what to buy, the most sustainable way to make jewelry is to customize it because the customer wants what they're is going to choose exactly what they want to buy and make the choices according to their budget. If they want a diamond, they're probably spending a little bit more. And then otherwise they can change for a more price conscious option. So our customer journey begins at the time of checkout. They customize their piece. We've integrated a fully, we've spent quite a bit of time on the technology part of it, which I think is a little bit different than what most people do in my industry. And so that you can design your piece and see the design change dynamic. You change the stone, you see it all happen in real time. And after that, I source the production. I mean, I have my production people, I have my artisans, my makers that I work with consistently. And so once you place an order, we go ahead and process your order. So that really creates a zero inventory model where we have no inventory. A lot of the times those big sales and sample sales, et cetera, happen because people purchase a bunch of stuff and hope to sell it. So that's our first step into being sustainable. Our makers are have hundreds of years of traditional jewelry making expertise. It's a traditional industry passed down from father to son. We're kind of flipping that a little bit and we're in the near future focusing on putting more women in the seats of, you know, better paying work. But yeah, we focus everything in the diamond district where we have our artisanal hand maker. He assembles everything for us using the latest technology then we go to our stone setter. He sets everything and then our polisher. So depending on the piece, but those are the three basic steps. And we source all of our materials locally. Our factories here in New York City, they're far and few between, but I have 
built my relationships with them for numerous years and they are amazing in recycling gold. There's not a single piece that goes to waste. So even at the point where the polisher is polishing a ring, there's little dust particles and all of that dust particles is swept up into a little vacuum and every quarter or so the polishers get to recycle that. So every single piece of the process is focused on sustainability and making sure that we even begin with recycled gold. So all of that, and this all happens in the little microcosm of New York City that little, you know, few people know about the Diamond District. It's, you know, two few little tiny blocks on 47, 48th Street between 5th and 6th. And you have everything you need there. And really hardworking people that do get paid really above and beyond, far above and beyond what minimum wages. On average, our makers make between 30 and $100 an hour. Wow. And so when you were just talking about how so much for you changed when you were getting ready to have your child and bridging, what I'm watching happen is you weren't just saying, okay, I'm from Argentina and then I came to America and things got a little weird. Cause like (laughs) I used to be really proud of like being Argent, like everyone's Argentinian. We're from Argentina. This is a great thing. Everyone's happy, but your parents needed to leave and they came to America and had hopes and dreams and desires and American culture kind of turned that on its head. And all of a sudden now you're becoming strangely aware of your differences and that people see you differently and that people might not maybe want you here, right. you know, as I mean, as, as, as disgusting and awful as that is. And, you know, I think that that's the conversation because, you know, over the past four years and, and the, 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 the conversation we hear is go back. Yeah to where I'm not sure we're all supposed to go except for the Native (laughs) Americans of our land. I mean, clearly I'm going to head right back and split half my body to England and the other half to Ireland. That should be interesting. (laughs) But, you know, there's that thing where all of a sudden you think maybe something's not right with me. And for me, I know this sounds wacky, it was having a round face, Uh. you know, and, and recognizing that I don't look like all the other girls at school with the narrow, very feminine face. I had a very masculine jaw and it, it, people maybe didn't always like that, or I got made fun of because of it or whatever. And you think that you're okay until someone tells you you're not. And unfortunately for you, you distinctly remember the story that you told me, if you want to share, yeah. going into the store that day. Yeah, going into the five and dime on the main street of the little town that we moved to because my dad had a childhood friend who had essentially established himself there, established, you know, kind of had set some roots down there for a few years prior to us getting there. And it's a very white Scottish Irish town. And I think my dad had been working for a little bit. And I mean, he, we were ready to, I guess, make our first purchase and mine was going to be a Barbie. It had to be the Barbie with the red hair all the way down to her ankles. I'll never forget it. So we walk into the five and dime and my brother's in front. My brother is blonde with blue eyes at the time. And my sister, my mom and I are both, you know, darker brunettes, brown eyes. And the, I see the woman start gesticulating to my brother and my brother shrugs his shoulder and he's only 13 at the time. So he points at my mom and the woman looks at us like, 
kind of trying to reconcile what's this young boy doing with that woman who's dark and sees us all. And then I don't know what happens, a lot of hand motioning happening. And then we just get pointed to the door to exit. So yeah, my first purchase of my Barbie actually didn't happen that day. But that day, I was keenly aware that we were somewhere that we had to be We had to work harder, figure out what that work harder meant. At six years old, I didn't know, but it had to be a little bit like the rules were different for us. How about that? That's what I love that. The rules were different. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people watching the news, absorbing the news, looking at policies, regurgitating what their racist friend may be saying with regard to send them back or speak the language, or you don't belong here, that there's a six-year-old kid that grows up and becomes a really amazing man or woman and has children as beca- and is part of our society. And that what you do matters. The words you say to children matter. Yes. Things, being cruel to a child or to anyone matters. And it's not okay. Right. It, it, it hurts. And we can't continue to do and say things and have policies that is, I mean, what is it? 541 children at the border without parents. And, you know, I'll be honest with you until probably, and I think it was the survival mode until the new administration, I'll be honest with you. I really didn't check in with that. And I think it's because I couldn't. Yeah. And now all of a sudden that, you know, the new administration has made changes and said, hey, look, we are determined to find these children's parents. Now there's a resolution to it. I think that my brain has been able to and my heart has been able to come to grips with what's actually happening, that there's there's children that are there that literally have not seen their parents in a year just because they were brought here from another country because of many, many, many different reasons. That's really kind of breathtaking to me. And I really have not checked into it until like this last two weeks. I haven't. It's really, really hard to me. That was a very defining moment. I could have been that child. I was six years old. My parents overstayed their tours. That could have been us in any capacity, just for any reason. If you came to our town, you got a bunch of Irish and Scottish people, then there's us. You could have picked this up out of a lineup for sure. And so in that moment was the, the beginning stages of my brand. I knew that I wanted to have, create a more like sustainable in all senses of the word, jewelry company, because I just thought making a bunch of product and hoping to sell it sounds so backwards when jewelry can really lead to customization. But when the border children crisis began, I it was almost a PTSD for me. I had a young daughter. It could have been me. What if it was her? What if it was me with her? And I feel we have a history of immigrating both on my side and my husband's side for better opportunities. I think that's just the human way, right? And so that's the point when I said more than just creating a more sustainable jewelry company, there has to be more of a focus on why that's important and who is getting the work. So up until that point, I was ready to say, 
yes, let's make this sustainable and finding the best factors overseas because that was my job. That's what I knew. But instead, at that point, that's when I decided that these are the people that are working, making my samples here in the Diamond District. And how can I make them do part of the job and then go somewhere else, which is very traditional of my industry, right? We use the local labor because we can, and then we kind of outsource overseas for the better price point. I said, how can we, how can I do that? These are my people. This, this could have been my mom, my dad, this could be anybody I know. And these are real people. And my way of fighting back was to make the immigrant community feel like they do belong, help them get the reasonable work that they deserve and not ignore them and not go over their heads and find something better when it's convenient and use them as we tend to. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, hiring a person from China or a company from China is using workers, but what are they getting paid? What is their situation that they're sitting there in? I mean, yeah. it's it's deplorable. And then we're like, yay, we got a cheap necklace. Right. And my job, which I'm very proud of, was going to India and China and all of the overseas Eastern factories to make sure that they were paying the fair wages, had fair and safe working conditions. I did all those factory audits. So mm. there are factories that are like that. But the difference is their fair wage is not fair and competitive within our landscape. I think that we can right. do better. And that really creates a whole world of problems, right? Always needing that cheaper labor. It's not that we're not paying them fair wages. It, we just create this hamster wheel that we can't get off. And then we have all this. I mean, what did they say? Uh, it's number the number one landfill is clothing. Right. I mean, we just go into any store at any time. Now there's not three seasons. Now there's five seasons. You know, there's spring, summer, there's fall, winter, there's the, the 4th of July season. Right. The, and, <laughs> and we're just filling. So, I mean, and I've heard the term slow fashion. Yes. So it's almost as if, you're like the jewelry answer to slow fashion where we're, I mean, cause tell me I'm right or wrong. Don't you even pay if someone wants to bring their jewelry and gold to you? Yeah. I mean, gold is a commodity. It's always worth something. And so a couple of reasons why we decided to only proceed with fine jewelry. There's always a value. I don't like to buy stuff. I think that's part of my growing up in Argentina, you save for a good pair of shoes. You save for this piece of furniture that you needed. We, we didn't have Ikea. We couldn't just go buy something from Kmart or Ikea. And so I think that I, I always, we didn't have a lot of stuff. There was just not that much money around and everything we had was meaningful. And I remember, oh, I got those shoes for this reason. Oh, I finally was able to get this little charm or whatever it was. And so the story that goes behind something of value, but gold is 100% recyclable. It is jewelry can have a circular life cycle. That means that from start to the, when the wearer is done, you can melt it down and repurpose it. And so if you have jewelry at home, and this is something that's very within my heritage in Argentina, we do this all the time. You just revamp it. We call it reincarnating it. We can take your jewelry, redesign it, just clean it up, whatever it is. But yes, jewelry has a fully circular life cycle, which is something that is just really smart business for the environment. So instead of buying 10 pieces at $30 a piece, yeah. buy one quality $300 piece, 
that when you pass it down to your daughter or granddaughter or son or whatnot, and they decide that they want to repurpose, it's not going to Goodwill and right. the garbage. It's actually something that is cherished or and honored. Or melt it down and get your cash. I mean, there's <laughs> so many things to do. But yeah, and so also fine jewelry because this plated jewelry, so it starts with a base metal and then they add a gold plate. It's actually liquid gold mixed with a bunch of other chemicals, but it's super heavy metals. And the process that goes through for the electroplating, it's called to change, to make this costume jewelry, all those heavy metals get discarded into the water system. So yes, now we have a very ethical factory in Asia who's, you know, pays their workers well, they're living above poverty, all this stuff, but what happens to the environment that they're producing in? And so I don't think, you know, I think a lot of my experience in the industry has really formulated my plan for building a company that was sustainable. I like to say on the front end and the back end, both how we focus on what's important when we're branding and telling brand stories, right? You don't have to be six foot tall, blue eyes and a hundred pounds, and you can be a real person and you have real value. And then also who's making your things, people that deserve, you know, good work and how is their work affecting where we live? Yeah. So there's a big turn right now, and I guess I can get your opinion on it too. Instead of doing the diamonds, doing the other one, what it lab says an created. the lab created, but it's really big. It's a TikTok thing right now. Yeah. I have a, I can't think of the name of it. What's the company or the, no, the type of diamond it is. It's like a, it's not, they're called. Yeah. And, and all the kids are now getting it because they can get, you know, a three carat diamond or, you know, lab created ring and it's 5,000 bucks. Yes. So what do you, I mean, cause if you could take someone's old diamond, could you, can you recut it? Can you polish oh, yes. it to make it look sparkly and new? Oh, yes. What is your take on using old diamonds and making them new versus doing lab created, which I mean, is there truly a value? Cause I mean, does it have to be insured? I don't know how, how does that even work? Well, Essentially, a lab-grown diamond takes the properties of a diamond, puts them in a laboratory, and in a month, they have a fully polished stone where that happens over millions of years in the Earth's core. Now, there's the difference is that they're standing by is that it doesn't create green gas emissions from the mining industry, and it's a more sustainable product, which if you're only looking at one aspect of sustainability, then they are right. But to me, sustainability is about creating circular products. So those stones, mm. they can be reused. Absolutely. There's not much of a resale value, but in diamonds and natural diamonds, because they are a precious natural resource, there is resale value. Now, don't get me wrong. The diamond industry has been super guilty and horrifying crimes against humanity and the earth. But most of uh, the stones that we use are processed through the Kimberly process, which is our standard worldwide standard, which is how Tiffany's uses their stones to make sure that they're ethical, clean. They come from a lot of the smaller locally mined sources and all of that. That's what the Kimberly process ensures. The lab grown diamonds, my, it's too soon to tell. My concern with the lab grown is that, again, we're just putting more stuff in the environment. 
More and stuff. also, I'm Here not comes very more familiar stuff. on what the green gas emissions of the laboratories are or what kind of heavy, like I said, heavy chemicals that I know are used. So I don't, I'm not very familiar whatsoever to say that it is not effective. I know Leonardo DiCaprio really backs one of these industries. It's called the Foundry and he backs it and he's an early investor, et cetera. So there's probably that as well. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. And you have, I saw on your site, the CC boss. Yes. And so could you explain exactly what the CC boss is? It's on your website. If people want to go take a peek at all these amazing women, because I was going through and, you know, going line by line of (laughs) seeing all the women and what they're doing, but who are those people to you? These to me, so when I was building Cotton Clarity, it was important that we create the table that I wish existed when I was six years old. When I was six years old, I thought, here are all these white people and they're awesome and they're nice and they're cool, but I don't know how I'm ever going to get there because I'm not a white person. And so when I was building Cut and Clarity, it was really imperative that I created a space that six-year-old me, my daughter, my nieces, my family in Argentina, anybody can say, I can be that person. Like, And so these are women. One of them I met as a subway singer. One of them I met through a friend of a friend who started this amazing not-for-profit to help young women with fertility prior to getting treatment. I mean, there are women from all walks of life that just have a story. I think we all have a story. And I think that the code switching that I, you know, we've alluded to where you're one person at home and then you're one person in the public, that happens because you don't think that your story is valuable enough. So to me, the CC bosses are just an array of women that I wish I knew existed because their stories are amazing, whether they're a subway singer or a badass fundraiser that just raises millions of dollars with her not not-for-profit organization for women. It doesn't matter what walk of life you are from. Everybody's story is important and matters. And so CC Bosses is the women that I like to portray. Every time we have a collection launch, like I said, we don't hire models from traditional modeling agencies. I meet women and I say, you're great. This story is fabulous. Like, can we tell it? More often than not, they're so happy to tell it. Yeah, I think people really like to share their story. And when you're talking about how you're, you literally are creating, it's like you're creating this womb for people of color and people, immigrants and women. You also, I I don't want to forget too, you are also working with a diamond cutter, is it, to create a women's like school for cutting diamonds. And this is totally a new project for you. This is a totally new project. He's a jeweler. He's a master jeweler at Tiffany's. He was also an immigrant. He, you know, came through his parents in Mexico, couldn't afford his high school. So they said, we have some relatives and friends in Queens and he crossed the border illegally. He was working odd jobs. And 10 years after he crossed the border, he got caught by ISIS. Ice, sorry. Right. <laughs> he got caught by ice, not the not the god ISIS. <laughs> or the or the uh, bad people. The, yeah. <laughs> so he got caught by ice. 
And he was actually studied and fought the system and became a citizen while he was essentially locked up. And after that, he became a professional cyclist. One ride, he broke his foot and his roommate said, hey, you know, I'm a jeweler. Why don't you come to one of the factories on 47th Street with me instead of feeling sorry for yourself? And he became a master jeweler for Tiffany's. His name is Jesus. He's amazing. I met him when I was so down on myself because I was in the process of looking to actually buy one of these facilities. And I thought here is my chance to make it all go great and, you know, start from scratch. And that didn't go so well. And we lost the deal. But that day I met him and little by little, we got to know each other. I'm like, you're an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. We love jewelry. You're amazing. He does these amazing projects. He was an immigration advocate for a very long time. And as a jeweler, he really took it upon himself to teach people. And so when the pandemic hit, we were like, what what can we do? And so we started ideating a program where it's a virtual apprenticeship. He will teach an apprentice how to become a jeweler. It's a long process, but there are schools for this that are very expensive. You have something like a GIA, which can cost you $30,000, but you don't learn how to become a jeweler. You learn about gemology and how to grade stones, et cetera. Or you have some very far and few between technical schools that, again, cost 10, 15,000, et cetera. So our aim is to focus on underserved populations, in particular immigrant populations and moms, where they can learn this trade and essentially work from home. It's a very safe, secure, really rewarding work. And like I said, you can make a lot of money and do it in your own time. So you can essentially pick up orders and then you work on them and you, you know, say your own delivery. Our system in New York City has been so fragmented that we actually can it does lead to these independent jewelers because right now we're just made up of a bunch of independent jewelers working together. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, I I just keep seeing block after block after block of this creation. And when you were talking about your, you know, being pregnant and wanting to create this, it was as if you were like, okay, I'm from Argentina and I'm going to create a world that when my daughter looks at it, she equates pride and she equates strength and she equates a woman of strength, a woman of color of strength, an immigrant of strength, and that you can create. And my mom has created this, this world that is not victim. It's not being abandoned. It's, it's empowered. It's, it's a, it's a system of empowerment of self and empowerment of community and family. And in spite of, thank God you never belonged to the white (laughs) community because then we wouldn't have this amazing story. And I hope that my listeners, when, when they are listening, because this is who I'm speaking to is, is the people that aren't getting it, that aren't getting that. What was the, the cutter, the jeweler's name? Jesus. He was a kid at the border. Yeah you were a kid at the border and all these kids at the borders, they have stories and they're going to have families and they have feelings and it's not fair what we're doing, but just be, be clear. They grow up to be Mariana Chambers. (laughs) You know what I mean? In, In a perfect world. And so I'm so inspired. And you also 
I don't want to forget, have a boob necklace. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I had breast cancer. Oh, so, wow. So I saw the boob necklace. I'm like, oh my gosh, that only, only this company. And I, I was sharing with my girlfriends. I'm like, this jewelry's right up our alley, but they even have a boob necklace. Well, I can't get, wait to get one to you that you must be wearing one. Yeah. I mean, I made the boobs necklace because here I am, you know, my industry for how, the reason why I'm so focused on it is that it is a very male dominated industry. It's yeah. passed down from father to son, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I mentioned previously that in the factories, most of the women work in what is called quote, the kitchen, typical. <laughs> They're right. washing things, prepping things. And those are the, those are the $15 an hour jobs. That is the menial labor so that they can prep things for the master jewelers. And those are the guys that make the money. So Jesus and I, our interest is in getting women into these well-paying gigs, not, in, you know, careers, not into the gig work of working in the kitchen. So yeah, really it's very much a labor of love. It's a culmination of, I, I used to say a culmination of my career, but it's really just a culmination of my life with a lot, a lot, a lot of support. I'm very lucky to have that support. And I also recognize that that is a privilege and that's something that not everybody gets. You know, my parents, broke their backs to work literally labor in menial jobs. My father worked in a junkyard. My mom cleaned offices just so that we can get clothes on our backs, food on the table and go to school. And that kind of privilege is a privilege that I exercise today. And I think, you know, you're saying you're talking to your listeners. I think that the biggest disconnect that we all have is not hearing each other's stories. And so that's why to me, the CC bosses of all walks of life are really important. Yeah. I just love it. I love the, the woman piece and the immigrant piece and the mom piece and the wife piece yeah. and the power woman with the cut and clarity and a jewelry business in downtown New York, you know, Manhattan yeah. and, and doing it and taking your background and creating this entire world of just, diversity and inclusion and equity at the table for women and, and everyone. And so your, your Instagram and Facebook, you're at cut and clarity co and then Twitter and Instagram is at Mariana chamber chamber, Mariana, R chain, Mariana, R chain. So follow her there. And then your website is cut and clarity.co cutandclarity.co. And if someone wants to order something from you or follow you because your Instagram page is just gorgeous, like everyone that goes there is just going to start drooling and want all the pieces. Believe me (laughs) when I tell you. And it's all on real normal women. Like you said, it's not like, well, of course she looks great in that. It's it's normal people that you can really appreciate and have an amazing story. So check out her CC boss page too, please. Because that there's amazing stories about women and that are doing great things all around. Her company is sustainability, it's social impact, it's women empowerment, it's immigrant, it's training, it's teaching, it's hiring, it's fair wages. 
and it's her amazing story. And I am so honored that you would be so generous to share your story. I know you were a little hesitant at first. You <laughs> wanted to hear what I had to say. And, and I'm so glad that whatever I said spoke to you and we were able to connect like this because I think that it's about each one of our stories. And every time I do an interview, you know, I do a pre-interview before so I can touch base. I want to touch the person. I want to hear their story so I feel it so that I can help present it here every time I'm just like, it starts and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I think that hopefully this, this small podcast that I do helps people have the conversation and ask questions and be interested in a story of someone that doesn't look like them and that white people are accessible for their story and people of color and immigrants and women, we all have an amazing story that, that creates a more diverse and beautiful, spicy world for us to live in, you know, instead of it being male dominated, whitewashed, whatever of the old time. I, I think that the needle is moving. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to live in an echo chamber. We have so much variety. You know, I see it in New York City, but in general, in our country. And I think if you just look, if you just want to open your eyes and really put yourself in somebody else's shoes, I know that's so oversaid and overplayed, but that's just it. Like you're saying, you will enrich yourself and enrich somebody else and just put a little less hurt out in the world, a little more love. Yeah. It's easy. You know, like if, if I was bringing friends over and I'm like, Hey, I want you to meet this amazing woman. People would be impressed by the fact that you own this company and that you're a jeweler and that you're in New York city and yada, yada. But they need to remember that the way that they would have treated you at six don't be impressed. They're the same person. So we need to be impressed by the six-year-old. We need to be moved by the six-year-old and the 15-year-old and the 18-year-old and the 22-year-old that is coming into our country or that we meet on the streets or that doesn't speak perfect English and understand that they are a person with an amazing story and beautiful soul. And we need to not just be impressed by money and things and, and status. Or sameness. Or sameness and start connecting, start connecting today because people are really amazing when you take the time, when you spend the extra time to take the time to listen. And I so appreciate you. I appreciate cutandclarity.co. Follow her on Instagram. Go buy lots of jewelry. Check her out on Twitter and everywhere else and see what she's doing because you're changing the world one rock at a time to move this mountain, my dear. So I appreciate you. Thank you, Meredith. You're really amazing. Like I said, the first time we chatted, I really love that you won even bothered, even care. And one little pebble, one little rock at a time. I think that's an amazing, amazing approach. And so thank you for what you're doing. I really think that it takes more people like you to get everyone's voices heard and, you know, be scared, do it scared. I think a lot of people say, what would you recommend to anybody that wants to start their own business? And then I think it applies to you. just do it scared because nobody gets it right. You don't have to get it right. As long as you're trying to get it. We're just trying to get it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank I love you. you. I'm so excited. This has been so awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to get a boobs necklace to you. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for listening. 
If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind-the-scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.